It's going to be a massive event. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be one of the largest in the, uh, in the author book fairs in Texas. Welcome back to another episode of Sterling Municipal Library's podcast, All Booked, where we talk to you about books we'd like to recommend. And we are very excited to introduce a new voice to our podcast today. We are joined by Joseph Schiller, and he is going to talk about some of the work that he's done with writing. I also know you have a full-time job on top of it, so we'd like to talk a little bit about that too. But how about you tell us about your book first? Okay, so Upon the Arrival of Dawn is a fantasy novel, close to a year now anniversary. And essentially my two main characters are angels of death, not in the Judeo-Christian sense of what that means, but angels of death nonetheless. And essentially my my protagonist, Azrael, gradually uncovers a plot by what turns out to be the antagonist to bring about the collapse of existence. And he chooses to stand up and and gather an army of Eternals to to battle and restore harmony to the to existence. Sounds like a very high stakes conflict. It, it, it is. It is. <laughs> That's a very good elevator elevator pitch. Thank you. <laughs> okay, so there are a lot of different like subcategories of fantasy. Sure. Where do you think your book falls? This is going to fall under speculative. Okay. Fantasy. Ooh. Yeah. That is fun. Yeah. And tell us a little bit about your writing process. How long did it take you to write your book? And were these characters, did they pop into your mind fully formed? Or did it take some work to really get their voices down? Okay, so I may not answer that question in sequence, but I, I will answer it. So the, the it took about 10 years to finish the, what I say, the first rough, like the first uh, rough draft. A lot of that had to do with the fact that I kind of started and stopped quite a bit. In fact, there was a period at which I think I let four years go by. Oh, wow. Um, without working on the on the project. Something that I think every first time published author learns is that if you are not working daily on, on the craft, and it doesn't necessarily have to be on one project, it could be on multiple projects, but if you're not doing something every day, then you, you, you will drop, you know, drop the project Mm -hmm. for, you know, so that's something that I had, I had to learn the hard way is that, so now I, I do daily check-ins on my projects and, but to, to answer your other question in terms of, you know, the characters and where they came from and and all that. So, so I'm primarily up to this book. I was actually primarily a short story author. Mm -hmm. That's what I wrote. That's, and so I had never even attempted a long format. Chapter three was a short was going to be a short story. Oh wow! And the the idea behind the short story was to put to try to place myself in the eyes of an eternal essence and try to from that vantage point, what would my perspective on reality and existence be? Right, and then to kind of muse on that, and that's how it started off. But then, unlike all my other short stories, it just never. I never found an ending to it, but it, and it lingered in my mind, and it just kind of. And then I thought that well, okay, now it'll be a novella, but then it just kept morphing and morphing and into something else. That's awesome. Yeah. And I would say, I mean, in terms of an inspiration, I, I don't really, I can't. It's been so long now, I couldn't pinpoint precisely what that genesis of of inspiration was. But I, ha- I have had kind of a long term fascination with why and how and and in what context we personify certain things mm-hmm. right through mythologies and other ways so and this you know i guess eternal life or or 
you know, it's just kind of whatever that whatever that is, right? That that's kind of fascinating that we give, like, even though we we are so mortal ourselves, we give that personification, right, to other, you know, I say beings, but this, yeah. yeah, yeah. So yeah. it's it's just fascinating that are we trying to convince ourselves that that actually is possible, right? Like by giving it life in some form. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So since you wrote about eternal beings, do you feel like their stories are complete in this book or do you think you will ever revisit? Because I know a lot of world building goes into creating something like this. Yeah, especially fantasy. Yes. So I don't have a lot of what I consider world building in mine. So there's there's really kind of, well, I don't want to get too simple, but there's I feel like there's really kind of two fantasy styles that have been, are kind of the foundation of where most fantasy kind of leaps off from. And that is the Tolkienian, which is where he he essentially does all the building of mm-hmm. world building, character ability, and you or he's spoon feeding it to you. Right. Or there's C.S. Lewis where he drops in nuggets and then you are required to come to your own conclusions. And I tend to be on the, the C.S. Lewis side of, of that of that divide. So, but to, to answer your first question is, is the development of these complete? And I would say for this particular story, yes. However, and it, and it may be coincidental and it may not be, my, I'm working on a current project that's going to be more of a sci-fi fantasy hybrid where I also deal with, I guess, an, a being that, that, may or may not have eternal uh, not not in the same sense of these characters but have existed for quite a number of years but for different reasons so i and then there's another another project that i have on the back burner that also for some odd reason deals with <laughs> yeah so i i don't know if it's a personal fascination of mine that is coming out there could be a psychotherapist that would <laughs> i'm sure love to to dive deep with that with me but yeah i think that's a pretty standard fascination like what would happen if we could live forever? Exactly. Like what would someone even be like that? Would they even be like a person anymore? Right. What would they care about? Things like that. I think it's. I think most people have at least a moment in their life where they're like just staring into the distance, thinking about that. Yeah. Some people just don't have the drive to write it down into a novel. Yeah. <laughs> Did all everything like changing with COVID help? jumpstart you back into the project because i think a lot of people found themselves with extra time on their hands for a while and not only that like a sense of urgency a to like of, revisit those things they cared yeah, about like perhaps they realized they too were mortal and <laughs> right yeah, yeah absolutely with that without a doubt mm-hmm. covid definitely was was a boost to i mean i i probably got about halfway done before when COVID, when i had to go back to work Mm-hmm. But absolutely, yeah. Co- COVID, without a doubt. And then, I happened to start a, a, a at a new school at that same time, and so in the realities of my new my new job in the and all that actually allowed me to have a lot more emotional bandwidth, oh, uh, and, yeah. and, and, ener- and energy bandwidth to be able to to tackle more on a daily basis. So I would say a little bit of a combination, mm-hmm. but I, but definitely recharging. Yeah. And, you know, but for sure. And I I think a lot of people saw COVID as a way of doing things that they wouldn't otherwise, you know, glass half full, right? Mm -hmm. Take advantage of it. I think a lot of people don't 
don't realize how much emotional and mental labor goes into writing. Yeah. Like they think you just sit down and you just write words on a page, right. but it can be exhausting. And if you have a day that is already very mentally draining, yeah. it's almost impossible to go down and look at a page and be like, and now I will create from nothing a right. whole world. <laughs> well, it's so fascinating too, because you know, I can have a really long day. And if you asked me, okay, Joseph, now you have to go, you need to clean the house. I, I can do that. I can have a long, exhausting day and still clean the house mm -hmm. at the end of the day. And because I think there's something different about the physical aspect of yeah. being exhausted that you can push through. But when you're asking someone and then to also have a full day, as you said, that could, you know, who knows what happened during that. And then say, now I need to just sit down for 45 minutes or an hour and use your brain. <laughs> well, that's a big ask. Mm -hmm. And people don't understand that it's a very different ask. Yeah. yeah. Especially so. because it's, it's so creative. It's not like giving someone a, a quiz that they have to do. Right. It's, you have to stare at a blank page and, right. and just make it up. <laughs> right. So yeah, it's, and that, and that's, you know, I, I would I would definitely say I think that the you know the the planets aligned a little bit in my particular case. Uh, I'm I'm more than cognizant of the what life presented to me and the fact that I I was blessed to be able to you know mm -hmm. continue the project uh, under the current circumstances and and future projects as well. So so I know you are very busy because I even checked out your website and I know you also <laughs> are an artist on top of working full time yeah. on top of writing. How do you structure like build in enough time to make sure that you're devoting you know enough space for those different projects and work? Okay, the biggest reason that. I'm able to, to juggle what I can juggle as my wife that I could never on any in any way shape or form do what, what I what I want to do and do what I need to do without her support so you know some some people you know they they just I mean she's just amazing and the fact that I'm you know I can call her my wife is is you know even more spectacular so that's the reason and then I think subsequent to that then since I have her support you know, unconditional, then I can then, so, and I'm also very methodical about, about how I plan my day out. And so I think being type A and that being type A doesn't always, <laughs> right? <laughs> but in, in the case of being able to at least map out my day and, you know, work efficiently. So when I come home, for example, because I've able to take care of what I needed to eight to four o'clock at work and I'm bringing it home really is, is a reason why when I get home and I've taken care of what I need to at home, then I, I have the bandwidth and, and the space to be able to work. But a lot of it, I mean, I think, I think a lot of it is just also, I, I don't know. I don't know if it's, I just, I know what I, I know what I want to accomplish backwards plan. Okay. You know, I, I think some, you know, some people may be, overwhelmed by some of the I think when you, you start identifying okay well I want to do x y and z but sometimes people get overwhelmed mm -hmm. by they look at the end they look at the end of what they want and they get overwhelmed by it. yeah as opposed to saying okay well that's what I want but let's map that out mm -hmm. and I think that that's what I think I probably do well is mapping out the incremental movements as opposed to getting bogged down by the end result but i think that's especially important when you're writing a novel <laughs> yeah. so i also know that you are organizing a indie book fair yes. do you want to talk a little bit about that how did you get in touch with so many authors too 
Okay, so this is also where the type A becomes <laughs> a benefit. So, so I wanted to have a book fair largely because after close to a year of doing them myself, being organized by obviously other other people and organizations, there's a there's certain things about those events that I liked or didn't like, and I wanted to offer something that took all the pros of those events and minimized the cons, right? So that's essentially where the genesis of, of the project. And then once I had, once I had my, and, and really, if I can be honest, the venue, if I hadn't found the venue that I did, I don't know if it would have been possible. And I'll explain what I mean. Spring Street Studios owned by Sawyer, Sawyer Yards. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh. Massive, massive, you know, group of, of uh, galleries. They... I, I was very honest with, with them and I said, listen, I'm not, I don't making money on this event. I don't want to make money on this event. The idea is to minimize the cost, which is one of my goals is to keep it as low as possible. Full disclosure. And, and, uh, they were like, great, that's, we're okay with that. And in exchange for letting the artists have their galleries open that day, which they wouldn't normally. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of a symbiotic relationship for the event. So if I, but if they hadn't been willing to say we understand what you're trying to accomplish and we support that and that we're going to meet you in the middle it wouldn't have been because I mean, a lot of venues it's they're 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 making money and that's, right. their, that's their goal they don't care whether you're you or you are not making money right mm -hmm. well in this case they they did care and so that's so once i had my venue then it was just a matter and i i scoured every facebook group for writers for i mean Honestly, I, I've reached out. I, I already knew a few dozen myself, but, but I mean, I, I've probably, I've spent hours just personally inviting mm -hmm. hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of authors here in Texas. But again, that's me being relentless. So, so how many authors have agreed to come to the book fair? We are at 60 right now. That's awesome. That's 60. Nice. I have a bunch that have said, well, I need, I need to wait a little before I can make my decision. Mm -hmm. So it, it wouldn't surprise me if I don't have 70 plus. Okay. So it's going to be a massive event. It's going to, I mean, it's going to be one of the largest indie, uh, indie author book fairs in Texas. That's amazing. So. Yeah. So just so we know, so our listeners can know yep. when to, when to show up. Uh, you said it's at the Sawyer Yards? It is at Spring Street Studios. Yeah. Spring Street Studios. Which is okay. one of the many, right, uh, art uh, uh, install, uh, galleries um, owned by Sawyer Yards. But yeah, Spring Street Studios, August 26th, 10 a.m. to 6 p.m. is 100% indoor, free to the public. It's very important in August. Yep, yeah. <laughs> family friendly. Mm -hmm. I specifically told. Uh, or his screening that no smut or pornographic, you know, no, none of that. So some of my romance authors, they can't be there because they, they don't, <laughs> right. And some are having to, you know, not carry certain books when they're there, but it's family friendly. We're going to have a, a food truck that's that there as well. So, I mean, yeah. Awesome. And you said the galleries are open as well. Yep. The, so the, it's the, like the galleries a... are going to be open. We don't know. We don't know yet how many, I mean, because there's, there's probably 40 mm -hmm. uh, galleries in the building. I don't know yet. We, I've just met with like the head artist. And so she's just started communicating with mm -hmm. them Thursday or Friday of this past week. So we don't know yet how many will be yeah. open, but there are some, I mean, I just walked through with her for the second time Thursday, and 
the the artists are fabulous. Mm-hmm. I mean, the art is amazing. So yeah, so it'll be a it's it's gonna be a good a good little yeah. yeah. And having so many things in one place inside in Texas, in right? Right. <laughs> right. It's Very so smart. easy to make a day of it with your family, which is yeah. I think what a lot of people are looking for. Not having to get people in and out and in and out, yeah. and just being able to be one place for a few hours. Yep. And I think as librarians, we kind of lose track of the fact that a lot of readers really enjoy meeting and talking to authors. Yes. Like it means a lot. Mm-hmm. We get to meet quite a few at our different professional organization stuff, but. This is such an incredible thing to bring to our area. So especially because it can be so hard to, as a reader, stay on top of like local authors. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just not you're not like hit in the face with like a Facebook ad every every right. five minutes. So it's a great opportunity for people to find authors they may have never come across otherwise. Well, and what's and here's what's remarkable for me too, and it's something that I kind of kind of had to think so i had this assumption when i started reaching out to authors because i i'm very i mean i'm i mean as you said you saw my whip but i'm very active in my just promoting myself personally yes. right but mm-hmm. i had the assumption that other authors were like-minded and a lot of a lot of them they have you know their personal professional lives unfortunately just don't allow them to have that ability mm-hmm. and so when i was reaching out to a lot of authors a lot of authors are like man listen i would love to do an event but a lot of them are just like 150 dollars for a day i can't do that or just the timing or whatever and so i actually i have to have a lot of i probably have 10 authors who have never done a book signing before wow but have been published for years yeah and so for me, it's, I just, I, I think it's wonderful to be able to help. And, and a lot of them, I know at least three that were me- like messaging me back and forth before they even signed up. They're like, listen, I've never done a book event. I'm, you know, I'm nervous. And I was like, listen, there's going to be a room full of veterans. You don't have, you don't have anything to worry about. That is so cool. Like you can ask, I mean, if you want, if you want me to pay, put you next to an author, that I know can walk you through. Mm-hmm. You let me. I. I. Because that's the thing is that I. I benefited from two comic book creators in my first event. They. They kind of helped me. You know, get get that first event out of my mm-hmm. out of the way. So, I understand the value of having that support. Right. So I'm like, listen, don't worry. You. You are in more than a, enough good hands. Anything you need. We're. You know. So. So yeah. I mean, I think that having authors because there's so many that we don't even know about because again they ha- they haven't gone to an event yeah. but they're published and so i think that you know the pub the public it's one thing for barnes and noble to have a display that says these are the you know the new but yeah they were told someone yeah. in corporate told them that yeah like they didn't read those books mm-hmm. and that's the thing is that you remove the author you remove the the conversation you remove a lot of the components that that people want and hopefully this will give people an opportunity to read something not because it was put on a display by Barnes and Noble and the, but because they had a conversation with the author and mm-hmm. that conversation is what sparked the interest yeah that is really exciting mm-hmm. So I feel like we could talk to you all day, but I don't want to keep you here all day. But I do want to make one final plug for your book. It is Upon the Arrival of Dawn, and it is by Joseph Schiller. So be sure to check it out and make sure that you mark your calendar for the date of the Indie Book Fair. That's right. It's 26th. Yes. (laughs) All right. Thank you so much for joining us. thank you, ladies, very much. Thank you, yeah. And stay tuned next week for more fantastic books. Bye.